welcome back to another episode of Endurance Icons. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess, back for another awesome episode. On the show today, we got pro triathlete, coach, real triathlons, real triathlon squad team principal, and host of the Real Triathlon podcast, Nick Chase. Man, this guy does it all in triathlon. Welcome, Nick. How you doing? I'm fantastic because I just finished my last training session of the day, so it's a good time. Ooh, and what was on the training schedule today? Uh, today was just, uh, well, the, the week before was just getting back into big boy training since I did hire Jim Vance and he's reminding me what I used to do. Uh, it was a lot harder. Um, so now today was just a three hour ride, a four and a half K bike or, um, three, three and a half hour ride, four and a half K swim and it's some gym sessions. So not too, too crazy. Nice. And you, uh, we just actually had Jim Vance on as our, uh, our last episode and he, he dropped lots of coaching knowledge bombs on us. Uh, what has been some of the, the great parts you've enjoyed, uh, working with him so far and maybe some of the key changes. Yeah. Key changes are really why I kind of went this direction. I had, I gotta say this wasn't like a bad relationship ending thing. I, I had Robbie Deckard take over my coaching for, I think six or seven, maybe seven months because I, he stayed with us here in Southern Utah. I really appreciated his diligence with the science aspect of it. And it was like, I kind of wanted to give all that blood lactate testing a really good go. And he was working with, you know, a German coach to take care of his stuff. He's, he's dived, he, he took a deep dive. Short story, it didn't work. It didn't work for me at all. It kind of kneecapped my bike power. Um, all that long, steady endurance riding, the if I was going to do just maybe Ironman racing, purely 140.6, it'd probably be okay. But the variability of the men's race for the first hour is full on. And I used to be able to, you know, crack a 315 average or whatever. And now I'm like 280, 290. So it's my bike legs are cooked, which has been cooking my run legs. So sadly, I had to step away from that. And it probably would have worked had I, I mean, I'm 37. I don't have like, 10 years to get this shit right. Now I got to like invest. So I just had to tell Robbie, like, I don't have time to really rearrange all my molecular structure to make sure this works. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to move on. I still love you. I think, I think more than anything, it's actually probably the best case scenario because I've got so much awesome steady state endurance efficiency. And we worked on my run efficiency. We did a lot of great stuff. And now I'm going back to the, like, this stuff's hard. We're going to train hard more often. You're going to be tired. And, you know, luckily I've still got some great recovery tools, um, but that's the major changes I'm experiencing. And this is the first week and a half of the, oh, I'm older than I thought it was. So he hasn't given you any uh, Ben Canute super sprint sessions yet or what? No, I, I haven't had those yet. I've done those <laughs> plenty of times. So I've had... Um, Leslie Patterson was one of my coaches years ago and she's like she we would do seven eight hour days every day in like it was the most grittiest 45 hour training weeks I've ever done for about a couple of years so I don't want to go that route again so Jim I think is going to be a great balance and I think you know swim bike run workouts back to back are great so we'll do them and I also have like an indoor Vasa ergometer so I can actually swim indoors that's amazing now I have to ask anytime an endurance athlete says they do a gym session, what does that look like for you? A lot of peacocking around and flipping <laughs> my hair and bicep curls. Yeah. Um, it's probably, so it's 
I guess it's best related. Um, Ellie Salthouse was, was here and her coach, her strength coach, his name is Hugh Darnell. I've, I hired him on the side and I've always done my own kind of similar things, but he put them in a nice structure. And one of the reactions that Ellie got was somebody looked at her and was like, your movement patterns are interesting. Like, so that's really what it is. It's a lot of, not a lot of heavy lifting at all. It's more reps and I put on mass quickly. I always have, if I lift heavy weights, I get, I get bulky. And it took me five to set, six years to shed all the powerlifting stuff when in my early twenties. So I don't want to go that route. So it's all like, I wouldn't, I guess the buzzword functional movement, mobility, all that stuff is probably what I do more than anything. And, and working on all the run form imperfections, I have really, really high shoulder mobility, which means I have to focus heavily on shoulder strength. So that's another aspect. Um, and yeah, I mean, I got to keep, got to keep the abs good. That's the only thing I got right now. <laughs> well, it's working for you, man. <laughs> it is all I got. Um, maybe turning it back a little bit. You mentioned like you're 37 now, still a pro triathlete. Um, you mentioned you were a power lifter early in the twenties there. Like what was, what was this path from like to finding triathlon? Like maybe take us, take our listeners for a little wild ride through the, uh, the life of Nick chase up to today. Yeah. We'll just, we'll chalk it up. If you wanted to fast forward after I say this it is just random. Um, that's really all I can say. It's very random. Um, and to get in the details, um, I didn't, I worked in high school. I had like a lawn mowing company. I delivered pizza. I made pizza. I was, you know, typical, awesome kid. I raced four wheelers, extreme sports, um, all the extreme stuff. So very, very good with bike handling right off the bat. And I got into this sport. I was in the air force for 13 years, which seems like a whole, I didn't, I don't even remember most of it because of all the brain damage from triathlon, <laughs> but it was a great kickstart my dad was a marine police officer my mom was an er nurse in flint michigan so i like the work ethic that i was shown was like of top notch my dad would do anything for anyone learned how to roof a house when i was like nine most athletes were like swimming at that age and i was like roofing so fuck me i guess i didn't really get a lot of hand up there i didn't have any functional props. strength yeah no no con <laughs> no contracting or i mean um no track workouts for me, no cross country, all contracting. And, uh, I guess in the air force days that my, I did the air force marathon once for fun. I didn't really have affinity for anything. I never swam hit the age of like 23, 24, one of my bosses. And I was actually, he was the best man at my first wedding. Um, so it was really cool. Like, and then I ended up coaching him, but he started my career. He would go off on these group rides every day at lunch. I'd see him just get kitted up and look all badass with his Cannondale slice. And he'd go right. It was like an hour ride. And so I was a kiteboarder and I traded some of my kiteboarding gear for like a 2007 or five. I don't even know. Cannondale slice. It was like, I know what it was. Anyways, I sat on that for two hours one day on a bike ride that I invited myself onto with my old boss. And I couldn't feel my package for like a week. I was scared. I was like, what is this? It's awesome. It's so fun. But does this happen every time? So got over that. And then I immediately like bought a bike, bought a Trek Speed concept right away, hired a coach right away. I had moved from the Panhandle up in Destin, Florida, where I was kiteboarding, living on the beach and just living the life. It was great. <laughs> and then I moved to Tampa, St. Petersburg, where I had to like, imagine this, I had to drive 15 minutes to get to the water. So I was like, man, this is a drag. 
So I wasn't doing that as much. And I found triathlon. I was like, I can do this every day, everywhere, anytime. It sounds fun. It's community. And I don't know why I went full on, full on, but I did ever since that moment. I don't think I've stopped unless I've been injured or sick. Like I just love the daily grind. I love the routine. Um, and that kind of kickstarted my career. I, I was, I signed up for a bunch of little sprint races in Fort DeSoto on in, in Tampa Bay where they had, I think, um, what was that waterfall money giveaway race a couple of years, like a year or two ago, like, Hey, you guys want to show up? If you're dating somebody who's an athlete, we'll just give you a 20 grand. Here you go. No big deal. Just take it. Um, so that's where I, I grew up riding. Um, I went back after one year and I won all the races that I had kind of just started. And then I had earned an elite license shortly after that, waited a year, um, was like, I don't really, there's no development program. And this is partly why we'll get into this, but why I started the real tri squad, there's no development program. I was like, here's your pro card, go race Jan Ferdino. Um, and that was pretty much how it was. My first pro race was like Oceanside when Jan, I think it was like the year after Pete Jacobs won, um, Kona. And I beat Pete Jacobs that year as a rookie because he had shit the bed so bad. I think he went like full keto and was eating bacon or something. So <laughs> Pete Jacobs was uh, no longer a factor after that year. But anyways, I spent three years and I knew it. I spent three years just like getting my ass kicked. I knew I had so, so much to overcome as an athlete. My swimming Somehow I picked it up real fast, having never been a swimmer. I just understand the physics of it. And then I started coaching master swimming, helping others, got into coaching and started a coaching company with some friends and then went on my own. And then here we are, like a lot of other things have really happened. Um, but that's kind of how I got dipped into the sport or drowned into the sport. And I really just have been keeping my nose above water the whole time. <laughs> I love it. Um, so you mentioned you were living in Florida for a while, but I understand you're out in St. George these days. When did you make that move? And why did you choose St. George with so many kind of other options that people flock to for triathlon meccas, if you want to call it? I've always kind of been, I don't know, I've always wanted to be an outlier and the boulder scene. And I just didn't really connect with that. Not that it's bad and that I have anything against it. It just didn't resonate with me. I've always been more of like a I don't want to be surrounded by my competition at all times. I don't want to just be at the pool and be like, well, there's gosh, damn Matt Hansen again. I got to see him and see him after he smacks me around. So St. George, my ex-wife and I, we traveled here to race and she worked for Ironman for a couple of years. Um, so we've been here a couple of times and like arriving and seeing the snow capped mountain and in, in May or April and just being blown away by like the diversity and I know I'm going to be shooting myself on the foot one day when everyone's here, but there is, I mean, Boulder's cool, but like, I think as a year round training place, St. George is like literally the best. If I want to go live at altitude, I can drive 45 minutes and live at 10,000 feet. If I want to go to the mountains, have trees and grass, and I can go do that. If I want to have flat rollers and go to the desert, I have that too. I just think the diversity here, the roads, Utah is for whatever reason, the shoulders of our roads are like, you could lay three people across them. They're so wide. So I feel relatively like the community's safe. It's growing. Um, my now wife is um, 
you know, wife number two, by the way, she's a, a real estate agent. So it's growing and it's going good. So I don't know. St. George is just a, a really lovely place. And the people embrace, obviously, we've got a damn Iron Man a statue that probably cost, you know, 80 grand or 100 grand. And there's a mural of me painted on a building of all places. I mean, I can't believe it. This place is so cool. So that's why St. George is, is where I live. Yeah, we were there for 70.3 Worlds. And I just remember being on that bike course, like, come on, another planet. It really is a majestic place. Maybe one of my favorite courses I've ever been on. Yeah, and it's tough, but yeah, but that's why Incredible. we love it. And in yeah. the first, oh, 2019 is when I moved here, by the way. And now you're on a statue, so you could never leave. No, I didn't make the statue. Well, I mean, maybe I'm on the statue. There's like a swimmer who's pretty, pretty chiseled, um, but I'm on a building not far from the statue. But painted you're painted. By- yeah. yeah, I got painted by a good friend and I didn't even know he was doing it. It was such a surprise. So it's really just the home right now of Nick Chase and on your left triathlon. That's a. And that's Matt a- Russell, he's here. Okay. I don't see him. He comes out, I guess, to get groceries, but he doesn't ever call me. He doesn't high five me and you play. I see him at the pool sometimes and we have a nice chat. Matt is like one of the nicest, yeah. most approachable guys, but he definitely keeps to himself. But he even says that when we have like these tri-club meetings, he's like, I'm pretty, you know, I don't really get out there that much. I like to be inside. So he he knows he's like that too. This, this isn't me making fun of him behind his back. <laughs> I love it. Um, In your, this is a very random aside here, but uh, in your endurance journey, you forgot to mention one race. That, so we've actually met one time before, Nick. I don't know if you remember, uh, I think it might've been like 2016. There's a half marathon in Vancouver called the Seawees half marathon. We literally ran that race together the entire time. <laughs> Was that the one where I actually ran well? I was like probably the second year I did it. I, I think you be. were like two weeks off an Ironman or something. I was like, how did this guy do this? We had ran together the whole time. And then you fit, we finished and I was chatting with you and you're like, yeah, I did an Ironman like two weeks ago. I'm like, what, who is this person? Oh man. Yeah. I can't believe I was on that seaweed kick. I love Vancouver. I had, that was a time in my life. I was traveling like crazy. So I'm so stoked that like you remember it and I'm sorry that I don't like, <laughs> it's I, all good. I, I, Seaweeds was fun. And I remember my, that was my ex-wife's endeavor. She would always be like, we got to get signed up for that. They're, they're going to open it at 3 a.m. And I'd be like, I don't, I don't care, but I like Lululemon. So let's go. That really was an awesome race though. Beautiful race. Holy. Yeah. I love Vancouver. <laughs> um, so what is, uh, what's on the docket for you for the rest of this year? I know you were, uh, you were bouncing around a little bit, traveling to some races recently. Um, how did those go? And then, uh, maybe what do you have planned for the rest of the year? Yeah, I um, I really wanted to peak for Mont Tremblant 70.3, and we got canceled out due to smoke. I spent, <laughs> yeah, yeah, such a bummer. Were you guys there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I had like spent, I think, four or four weeks in Park City, just like loving life. Like, um, this is great. Training's going well. Going to smash everybody. Last year, I was fifth. I think I can get out of the podium. So got there and lost all that free training and then... I kind of was pissed at Robbie because I was like, I think I should do Boulder. I'm not too far from Park City or um, Park City is not too far from Boulder. I can just drive there. And it's like a couple weeks out. So I could have gotten that race in. Um, he was like, nope, let's, let's do the right thing. So anyways, he, he kept me in my place and it worked out to the point where I had already signed up for Ecuador. I mean, I had already signed up for Oregon 70.3 the week after 70.3 Ecuador. And I went to Ecuador because I was second there with Jackson and I felt like, let's just see what I've got. 
I know it's hot and the travel is heinous, but Flocka, one of the athletes I coach is like Justin Bieber style or status over there. Yeah. So she's really she, famous. Holy. It's crazy famous over there too. Like I feel bad for her. Cause like every person and it's like a thousand people, every person's like phone, 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 picture camera. They just want to be with her and because they love her so much. So it's remarkable to have her take good care of RTS. When we go there, she's I've coached her for a few years and, that's why I go to Ecuador. I love the the people. They take amazing care of us. So that's fun. Um, I wanted to win that damn race and I got sick and I was like sick for eight hours after that race, feverish and just hating my life, wondering like, how am I going to fly tomorrow morning at 3 a.m.? This is going to suck. So I got that done, went straight to Oregon, met a great couple. They hosted me for a few days. Wasn't sure what the hell was going to go on. And uh, yeah, I ended up at least I was like, I want to run well. I haven't ran well all year. My bike's shit. It's not going to change. So let's just run well. And I ended up running okay. Um, came from the back. Still didn't get in the top 10, but at least I ran, outran Ari Cloud that day. He was having a bad one. So that was the only feather in my cap. Sorry, Ari. He ran 111 the next week at Maine, I think, or something. So he, he redeemed himself. Might have been faster. Um, so those were those two races. My, I have like this chasing top 50 video series I've been really neglecting because it's been going this bad, but I have to finally get back on top of that and explain how. So, I, where are you at right now? I don't know. It's probably bad. It's probably still outside. <laughs> of top. At one point, I was good and now it's bad. So, I think uh, we're going to, I don't even know if I'm going to say where I am. I'm just going to say, well, we're still hunting down for top 50 because we're not there yet. We're still far away. But I think, I don't know. I know I can get back there it's just a matter of uh putting things together um again so what's what's next back to training getting my bike power and the running you know complimentary again my swim i i think i'll always be you know maybe a minute off type of guy we'll see it's always really like roll the dice and you don't know what's going to happen sometimes so i'd like to get that all squared away i'd like to be a podium contender at most races i sign up for and i know with age um, I'm, I really want to just be an Ironman specialist, um, a long 140.6 specialist, maybe in the next few years. I, I need that reputation to come back. I had it and I kind of just like business, family, the team, like it's all been really taking over and my personal professional ambitions maybe took a back seat, even though I felt like I wanted to still be competitive so I feel like I'm investing enough in Jim Vance's program um, in terms of it's like a truck payment to make sure that it works. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quitting. I'm going to make sure I get there uh, before I retire. So I want to have my moments. And um, next I'm going to do now we, we own a Super League team now or manage it this year, hopefully own it next year. We're going to be I'll be in uh, London the same day uh, managing the Super League team the same day, 70.3 world. So I didn't end up going to that race. I knew that was going to happen early this year. So I'll be London, Toulouse, back to back, come home for a couple of weeks and go to Ironman 70.3 Cozumel. I've raced well there. I've got, I coach athletes and they have a great place they stay. So I'll stay with them. And then I have to do Malibu for Super League. I might race the Olympic distance there because it's fun. It's a great event. They raise like millions of dollars for charity it's freaking stellar and there's like a bunch of netflix and disney people and a b c d e list celebrities it's awesome um 
So then I'll have another break and I'll still be getting ready for, I think, the full distance Ironman Cozumel at that point. I want to do a double Cozumel. I've raced there already a bunch of times and I love that place. Um, even though you might get diarrhea, I still love that place. Um, it's great. And then God, I, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I might do Cabo. Ellie Salthouse said she might do Cabo. And I'm usually like the kind of athlete that's like, well, I like these people. It's a great vibe. I'm going to go race. <laughs> it's like the opposite of what, you know, the top tier are doing. They're like, I'm going to go race. Cause I know I can win. I'm like, I'm going to go. Cause it's a good time, but I still like I'm, Jim will probably bitch slap me and put me back <laughs> in my place and I can handle that. So next year is, is, is where the guns are going to be blazing. But for now the Cozumel's and maybe a Cabo, I don't know. I love it. Um, so you mentioned that you're a coach a number of times. So like describe yourself as a coach. Yeah, I've done that for nearly as long as I've been a professional athlete. Um, I've all, I don't know why, but even in the military, I was in charge of a lot of people and a lot of things. And even when we deployed out to Iraq, like I loved project management. I love maintaining a lot of small things at once. The organizational mindset has just always been there. And I always really resonated with people who were like, I just, you know, what is this? I don't know how to do this. I'm like, oh, well, let's just talk through it. And like, I'm a good listener and I like people and I really get fired up when people achieve goals. And I get more fired up now when people are like, I want to get off my diabetes medication. I'm like, well, that's the best goal I've ever heard. Let's do it. So triathletes and I help, I coach another guy who does Dakar motorcycle racing to get him fit. So I was an elite strength and conditioning coach. Um, I did all the certifications for Ironman and USAT. Let Those never really helped, by the way. Those are just like, you know, something you can put behind your name. On the job training. Um, and as a coach, I've always just felt like it's been hard for me to find a coach who puts the attention to detail and to me that I put into my, my athletes. And I'm like, I'm a professional trying to take it to the next level. And why can I not find a professional coach who acts like what I see the top coaches acting for those top guys? Like what, what's the, what's the deal? So that's really always been my why is I want to do better because I've had, I've had a couple of really shitty coaches and I've learned from that. And like, I don't, I want triathletes to have the best time. I want to, I want to manage stress. I don't want to just give you a training plan. I want to manage stress for you. Cause that's, I'm asking you to do more stress on top of your life. That's already, most of them are CEOs and they've well-established and it's like, well, how can we hack and make your life faster? You know? So that's kind of me as a coach is just a management of stress, a, I don't know, a killer of efficiency. I just hate inefficiencies. So anything we can do a little bit better, get some gains. Um, the training program for me has never been the magic ticket. It's the trust, the relationship, and the communication you build with the athlete that actually has kept my athletes around for five years now, six years, I've got folks on the roster. So that's really for a coach, what matters to me. Um, and I feel like I can say this already. I feel like Jim is going to give a lot of that for me. And I feel like I finally have maybe found that coach who we resonate so well. What's your process to picking Jim? Um, I do everything based on a gut feeling. I, anytime I think of an athlete throughout the day, I will call or text them. So anything intuition wise, I just kind of always have followed. And when it comes to Jim, I was actually talking about talking to go back with, um, James, um, 
I can't I remember his name. My Loring. Pre- yeah, James Loring with, with Jackson. <laughs> I, I called him and I was like, I think I, I might be coming back. Um, and I, I eventually didn't, but I also had like a, an epiphany. I've known Jim for a long time. He's been like slinging today's plan longer than I can remember. He's like, hey, you want to get on today's plan? Just let me know. Um, and anytime we talked, he's like, hey, by the way, you want to come on today's plan? I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. We did it for two years and I wasn't the biggest fan of today's plan. It's better now. But anyways, I think Jim for me and having Ben stay with me at my in St. George before he did so well at Worlds. I really appreciate the fact that he's been to nearly every major race that Ben's gone to. And I feel like even the workouts I did that were Ben's workouts that were kind of, you know, Ford Ben, um, I really appreciated the level of intensity, the hill repeats built into really race specific work that I even was like, man, I love doing this stuff. I love racing the course at this level, Adam, you know, above threshold. And, and I set some PRs. So for me, it was like, I know he's going to be tough. I know he's going to be no bullshit. And he's going to tell me exactly what I need to do and not fluff it up and be like, yeah, because I have a tendency to, to, I don't know, really ruin a good thing. Um, because I just am over ambitious and I want to go to everything. I want to have fun. I love being with my fellow teammates. Like, I went to Mallorca for Jackson's first Ironman. I had no business racing this Ironman. We got there like three days before. I was like, why didn't we show up earlier? This time zone is, I'm a zombie at 4 p.m. Like this sucks. And I just went because I wanted to be there for his first full. And I like blacked out on course. So like it did not turn out well for me that day. And I I needed, I need someone to rein me in and be like, this is, this is the focus. This is the plan. And Robbie was doing that for sure. He was like telling me, what was up. So credit to him on that. And I listened, I always commit and listen. Um, so I think that's probably why I think Jim's going to be the, the version of me that is wiser, better, and has more success. I mean, that sounds like a great coach. So you've talked about yourself as a coach, describe your athletes, because I find that most coaches, they won't, a lot of people won't just take anyone. So who do you work with? What are the types of people they are? Man, that's, that's great. Um, I have never, found I've never turned anybody away based off of their being a beginner like I typically it's just always been very lucky I've never had to advertise it's always been word of mouth people have just come to me hey I I heard good things and I'd like to have a consultation and these types of people are often and I will tell you the, the people I work best with first the people I've always helped get to their goals are you've been doing it for two or three years you've had some really bad races, you've had some stumbles, but you love it so much. And you want to know how far you can go if you've really got somebody charging in your corner. And I always say, I'm the type of coach that if you're in that situation, I will eliminate two or three years of you fumbling around on your own. I will make sure that the ground you're standing upon now is the most successful ground that is going to be right in front of you. We're not going to divert and have all these ups and downs. I'm not going to just injure you because you want to work hard. Like I really take eat. I've, I've always had a problem with coaches who put one, one protocol, like even some of the Brett Sutton stuff, like, well, we've got mad, medium, moderate, and this is what everybody does. And it, and if you don't respond to it, you either get broken or shit out. And then you get one champion out of that. I've always liked to put on like multiple hats. Sometimes 
And I've had really good success with women athletes, I think, because I'm, I just am very empathetic. I'm, I can understand when it doesn't go well. And sometimes an athlete doesn't hire a coach sometimes because of the training program. They hire them because there's a connection of like, yeah, I know you're having a tough time right now. I get you worked this, this, and this, like, let's figure out how to not be stressed about training and use training as an outlet because it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be stressful. And those athletes have been caught, you know, they, they have the bug already and it's easy to integrate. So that's the majority of the athletes I work with. The other athletes are, I've got like a seven-year-old woman who was depressed after she lost her husband. And she's just, I got her walking and doing yoga and videos, aqua jogging. We're just stepping her up. We're, we're handling the, the mental side of what sport can give you. I've got beginners who are like, uh, so up for an Ironman and I got like six weeks. So I'm like, <laughs> you done this to us. Like, this is your fault. I'm not responsible. Um, but those people, usually they still end up just suffering and having a good time. And that's really it. Like, to, I guess I, I will take most all of the spectrum, but most people who come to me are of that nature of, I see, I see you've sent this person to Kona or Boston marathon, or I just really, and I usually have like 25 to 35 athletes at any given time, but I've never, ever felt like it's been too overwhelming because I feel like I compartmentalize things in my mind successfully to where even if I'm on a bike ride and I'm in an interval and I'm successfully hitting the workout, I can still be like, Oh, I got to make sure I text this person right after this interval. And I'll just bang that out. And I just have always been able to task manage well with my air force background. So that's, I think that answers the question. Um, but yeah, that's the type of athletes I typically, typically get. So you have a lot going on. Um, and we haven't even touched on RTS or the real triathlon squad. So let's, let's start in on that. So how did that get started and what is it? For so real triathlon squad started after we started a podcast after COVID or during COVID. So during COVID we were doing like Zwift racing virtually. And that's like the only time we were seeing any other professional names. It was like, Oh, there's Sky Monch. Like I haven't seen her in a while. What's she doing? And then me and Jackson and Garrick and I, um, they were like, well, let's start a podcast. I don't even remember like the details. It just like happened. All of a sudden I was podcasting. I don't remember. I was like, I just got to buy this stuff. And then we we're going to do it on zoom. Um, so that was it. And then after a while, so uh, what I mentioned earlier is I've always been kind of angry at this, the industry, and I still am the triathlon industry and endurance community is just, it's, it's I don't know. It's just not efficient. It, it takes advantage of a lot of hard work and doesn't give a lot back. Um, and that's because the industry is just built in a weird way. Like we're We've got Iron Man who owns pretty much everything right now, and it's changing right now, which is great. But they've never really been putting a foot forward to, you know, what can we make better? And when the professional racing is like still matters, and I think it really matters a lot, um, it's like professional athletes are we're killing ourselves every day to to make it to make ends meet to bear, to not go into debt, like and to renegotiate every year for oh now how many social media followers do you have? Oh wait. This other person is just an influencer. They've got 500,000 followers. So we're going to give them more money, even though you're getting podiums. Like, so there was an imbalance of what I had really felt like was our fair share as professional athletes. And I kind of like pitched the idea to Jackson and Garrick 
like we should start a team and we were almost going to be part of uh, like that Hugh dog racing team. Like we had started with them. I started communicating with Steve and Hewick about like, well, what can we do? And I think I was too aggressive. And I brought, I brought all my partnerships from all my sponsors into that relationship. And I think I, I kind of wasn't trying to take it over, but I was like, this is how we should do it. I, this is the vision. And we've since like, you know, we split, we did, me and Jackson and Garrick, we started RTS and they, they did their thing. And so now I created not, well, <laughs> I had had to do all the work, Jackson and Garrick, you know, Jack, Garrick's got a full-time college. He was in college program. Jackson's just a full-time athlete. So really it was like, what, what am I going to do to start this team? Um, so I just used, I leveraged every network I could, every person I knew, I was like, well, how can we get some money for like the, the, you have to have a good, um, I guess, set of ingredients for a team. So my whole thing is like, why would a company give one single athlete, like 60 to a hundred thousand dollars based off of, I mean, I think, I think Lionel's for sure worth it, but some of the athletes just for who they were. Like, I didn't see that that was valuable because the return on that investment for that one company, there we got one person. But we have, we had at the time like four or five people. We've got different stories, different demographics, different networks. So why wouldn't you give us that money? Because we're going to work harder for it. We're going to deliver the content. We're going to like, and I was like, well, we've got marketing, we've got results. And you know, we can do sales, but we're not salespeople. Um, so those are the three things we can offer any good company. And so with that idea, I was like, let's see how far we can take it. But we need to go to non-endemics because I hate working within the triathlon industry. Everyone's budgets, our budget's tapped. We got nothing. And then all of a sudden I see they signed somebody else. I'm like, you buttholes. I get it. We weren't that important at the time, but we will be one day. So I'm like, there's opportunities for, you know, banks, insurance companies. And you know, these people all have really deep pockets. They have a budget that why can't we have some of that budget? We will get that out there and we will hopefully provide some returns or if nothing else, it's a write-off. You got marketing value out of it. So that was kind of how RTS started. I wanted professional athletes to get a, a living wage. Like how hard is that to ask? Like that's the whole point of this team. Professional athletes getting a salary from this team and we're still I don't know, we're probably 75% of that of the way there. Our athletes are still getting, you know, two-figure contracts, but it's not like everybody can have that right away. So that's where we want to be. I want to be able to pay my eight pros on my roster, including me, um, you know, upwards of 30 to $50,000 just to be part of the team and then have bonus incentives and make sure you have a good bike sponsor for two to three years. Like we want longer deals. We don't have to kill ourselves for every single year just to put food on the table. So RTS is that. And then I managed a super league team last year. And I was like, this is fun. This is the future of like growth in America needs this. Um, so I pretty much was like, I'm going to hold on. I got to change my screen resolution. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I can to own a team. And I, we got it. Adam came on board this year and I was like, dude, this is the goal. We've got to do content. We've got to get this team. So the content thing is our next piece, but we got to elevate our name and get it out there more. We've got podium athletes. We've got contenders. Now we need to grow. Now we need to develop the other part that pissed me off about this sport. Now we need to set a pipeline 
for professional athletes to have someplace to start, someplace that they can go to our team where we're going to make sure that they get connected with good companies who want to support them. We can get help offset some of the, even if I can, a rookie professional, if I can offset your travel costs just to get to a race, I've done a really good job. Um, so that's kind of, now we're working with Project Podium to make sure that their junior athletes are getting an opportunity. And I, I don't know, I just feel like we're hitting that point within the team and the growth where we can actually make a difference. And it, we still have a long way to go, but we've got, an, we've got a cool investor now and there's a lot of good things happening. So that's RTS. Real Triathlon Squad. Um, the coaching company also we're going to have within it is going to be called Endure All Coaching. We just kind of are going to be launching that. And then the other part of it is going to be a athlete management company. So we're going to manage contracts. We got to have like a, most teams are only reliant on sponsorship and sponsors pull out your team's dead in the water. So we want to generate our own income through maybe sales of our gear, taking percentage and commissions off some of these bigger deals we're getting for our athletes, um, coaching, maybe charging. We'll have like four or five coaches under our umbrella and, you know, just make sure we have at least 30 to 40% of our team income covered by team developments. Long so story. No, it's great. How did you, how did you find your sponsors? Um, man, that's a good one. I think Jackson has brought in a couple over his success, he's always been very helpful. I mean, Jack Rue is because of Jackson. Um, Envy approached us. Um, Blue 70, I actually manage all the social media for Blue 70 as well. Um, so the owner and I are really close and I, he's a really big supporter of us. Um, and I think we've had more sponsors in the past. Like we had Love Sack, uh, like a furniture company because I knew the owner. So that's how I've gotten most every deal we've ever had is because I have had a warm lead or a personal relationship with either a CEO or somebody who is fond of what we're doing or believes in it. And I think, I think that's what it takes. You have to have somebody who's passionate because this sport really ain't generating a lot of money for anybody right now. Um, and that's what I want to help change. And that's part of it. Like our media content drive is, I mean, we're going to put a lot of money into that next year to hopefully be to the caliber of a Lionel or a TTL. I, I just, I can't do it all. I used to do way, there goes my light. I used to do way more editing and video stuff, but now it's just, I just don't have time. I just don't understand where you get the time to do that. What you do already. It's impressive. Uh, okay. Follow-up uh, team selection. How did you choose uh, your eight athletes that are on the team? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that has always been, if initially it was like, who do we get along with and who has potential to continue, like just not making our lives complicated and just being a wet blanket. So we just, we wanted to eliminate anybody like that. We wanted to have honest people. It didn't really happen. I mean, I guess North America and Canada, we just really close. So we had those networks going really quick. Um, I think we just kind of reached out to Leslie Smith because she was cool. Maybe we just became friends. It was all through like friendships mainly. And Tamara, even Jackson told him, like Jackson was like, Tamara's going to be a big deal in a few years. Let's the first year she passed, she wouldn't, she didn't come with us. And then the next, this year, um, was she with us last year? Yeah, she was Is that last year. She was like on board. So I think we're trying to find athletes who have a really good energy about them. They care about the community they're not just there to show up with their crew and their entourage and just like, you know, 
be there and then leave and miss awards. Like we want people who are really invested in the sport and love. I mean, we have like a team chat that we're always like ranting and learning about each other. So I think that's really the, the baseline is how is your energy and can you be fun and cool? I love that. And what, so you've done a tremendous amount since you've launched, what have been sort of the standout moments for you? Ooh, uh, getting this logo to actually like be cool. Like I, there was, this guy reached out to me. He was like, I want to do your logo. And he's from like Portugal. He's awesome. And since this logo came out, I was like, man, I really love the colors. Like it really stands for kind of like the energy of the team. So that was a big moving point. I think getting some of these, I love building. I love the contracts and the partnerships and like how much money you can, I, grow for the team. So I love doing all the business development stuff and negotiating and like, well, we're going to put this into the contract. So that's really when we landed, like, I don't know, last year I raised a lot of money for the team this year. It was like struggle bus. So last year, I think we got over 80,000 just for, I don't think we had eight. Yeah. Maybe we did. I can't remember. It's all blur, but we had a good amount of money and I was so stoked on that it was a big milestone. Cause I could pay everybody enough. And then this year I pretty much like overpromised. I was like, we're going to pay you a lot more and I'll find the money. And I didn't have anything to back that up. And then Adam shows up and he was like, well, do you, do you need help? I was like, yeah, I need some freaking help. Like, what can you do? And he, he, his networking has brought us an investor who has covered all of what I prom promised and the super league stuff. So, um, that yeah the financial stuff that was a big milestone for sure this super league endeavor being a manager being able to be like a manager with tim don maca michelle dylan like come on i don't belong there this is epic these these like when i look at what they've done and what I, i'm like how uh, i guess i guess i must have good hair uh, that's it well question why not you you can do a lot of things might as well yeah i guess when it comes to the resume of success, what I, I, so I've had this triathlete childhood dream when I, when I was first watching sport, um, it was, it was Crowe, it was Craig Alexander. And it was just his, his poise, his, his dominance and how he carried himself. And like, to me, he was the man, like I wanted to be the man. I wanted to be the one that people were watching on screen going like, Oh, look at this guy. He, he just makes it look effortless. And like, that's always been like my why is I've somehow somewhere. And I had one moment of this at Ironman Chattanooga in 2019, when I was actually on form where I had the camera on me the whole time. Like I felt like a hero. And that's really why I was like, I want to do more of that. And I think since I haven't had that success lately, I've, I still have a chip on my shoulder to get back to that. But that's why I've always been like, well, I don't have a victory. I, I mean, I've got some good podiums. I've had some good results, but I haven't won anything in triathlon that's worthy or notable in my definition, my personal opinion. So that's kind of why I maybe undersell that aspect of my career and why I'm still actually killing myself to try to get it. Hmm. And you also have added this entire age group level to RTS. What does yeah. that look like? And what are your future goals with that? Yeah, the uh, we've got a developmental side also. Like we want to take some younger pros and give them whatever we can to help their endeavors. And then the age group side of it is purely because the community that supports you is like, has to be strong. 
So that momentum and I don't know, I, I guess we want to just provide knowledge and entertainment to the community. And it doesn't have to be like, buy this stuff because you need it. Like I want people, anyone who hosts uh, one of our pros, like a homestay situation or takes us around, like I want to send them a care package every time and say, has a shirt that just says proudly supported RTS. And like once, once those get out there, everyone's going to be wanting to support and see, wear that shirt. So those are the types of things that I just want to create a community like, like, I don't know, like you see people get fired up and emotional about Lionel, like, dude, you changed my life. Like you saved me because I was, I was an alcoholic and now I'm a triathlete. So I want our community to help people at whatever goal it is, like lose a couple pounds or repair a family that's been broken or, you know, triathlon is more than just go out on the weekend and race. It's like, it's a lifestyle and it demands everything being pretty, pretty well taken care of. Like you've got to have a good schedule. You've got to have good income. You've got to have good family values because they got to know you, you love them, even though you're gone. <laughs> um, so I think that's why the age group demographic and, you know, having our pro athletes, that's another aspect. Like Tamara is amazing for our, she writes our newsletter. She is an advocate for helping anything that she can. So those types of athletes, we, they belong with us. It's cool. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot more RTS kits at all the, uh, like local races around here. I think Jackson's, uh, cause we only live like 20 minutes down the road from Jackson. So I think it's definitely yeah. spreading pretty quickly here in Ontario. Yeah. And he's been, I mean, Jackson, for sure. Like I always want to give him credit. He's, he did not have, he does not have to stick around in and stay with us. I mean, I want to always make sure I incentivize him with, you know, good money and a good, a good opportunity as an athlete. This team doesn't want to steal an identity of a professional athlete. And that's something I experienced. I was on the PVAG racing team for like two years. It's an Austrian team. That's when I was like fortunate enough to race a lot in Europe and live in Austria a bit. It was fantastic. So, but I had to lose all my partners. I had to get rid of everybody. And then I had to start over again when I left the team. So I don't ever want, I, some athletes are going to have to concede a couple things to be part of RTS and get paid because we need to look alike. We have to ride a couple things that are the same, but I want your identity to still shine through. So that's why it's been great to see RTS kits out there and, and having guys and, and, and girls to, to represent and be proud of it. So that's the main thing. I want you to be proud. I think we've had about half of the RTS pro squad on here now. I think you're the fourth person and everybody's been great vibes. Like, uh, yeah, I think you've selected a, a good group of people, like just actual people, which is, I think, a big testament to what you're doing. It's tough. I mean, there's the triathlete community. There's everyone loves each other. Like, that's why I'm like, why can't a team work so well? We all want we don't, we get tired being alone all the time. We want to share and commiserate and have stories and knowledge share. So yeah, I think there's probably a hundred athletes I'd like to put on this team, but unfortunately the industry just will not allow it. Well, future goals, hundred team <laughs> pro RTS, the, the whole, oh, yeah. the whole I don't know what else I can do. I'm already tapped. <laughs> Um, I want to talk a little bit more about this Super League. I, I saw that announcement come out, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And man, that looks so freaking exciting. Like you said, the company you're with and in terms of the 
um, fellow teams and their team leaders? Like, what was the process for this to kind of officially happen and then take us through uh, this epic team you just announced, uh, pretty much Team USA? Yeah, it's, I don't know. All I can tell you is I'm a prime example of if you put good energy out there, it'll come back. Like, I'm not super religious but I am like energy. If you put out good vibes and like Tim Don recommended me as a team manager, and I've only really met Tim Don a few times before this to help Ronnie. I always say it wrong. Uh, Schneid, Schneid, I, yeah. I can't. Say it. Ronnie, we can all take a shot at it if we want. I can't even Schneckle dice or <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So Ronnie was managing the rhinos and he needed a little help because Ronnie also manages a HEP global team like Sebi. He's a busy guy. He needs an agent. So I went out and just based on recommendation showed up and was like, all right, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I will just run around like crazy and take really good care of these athletes. And that's what I did. And during that process, I got to know the CEO, Michael Dulst and the other team managers and it's also, again, another group of great triathletes. Go figure. We are just kind of getting around. Um, so that was like my inception uh, or my um, you know firsthand experience with why is Super League so cool? It's like, uh, there was like 10,000, uh, I don't even know how many thousand, but there was a lot of people watching in person in Toulouse. It was nuts, like seven, eight people deep. And I was like, there's something to this. If we can get this in Chicago, in New York, if we can put on some more Super League races in the U.S. And then lo and behold, Michael Dulce was like, well, we actually want to buy Lifetime Chicago in New York. I'm like, well, I know the guy who owns those. Like, let me just call and tell him also that which he probably makes no difference to anybody, but I still want to say something. And so that is going to be a future venue for another Super League event. So the growth is happening in America. And I was like, well, we need to be, we need to be the team that breaks the you know, breaks the cast and we can bring Super League and, and be a proof of concept, but we got to do it for cheap Super League. You can't charge us like 400 grand right off the bat just to own a team because number one, some structural things have to happen. We need, we need to be like Formula One. We need like a constructors championship where we're competing for like 2.5 million as a, as a collective of top three teams. And that gets divvied out because if I'm going to invest six figures into this team, I need to, re- I need some return if we do well. So that's part of the structure. I hope Super League does adopt is, I, I guess I, I skipped ahead, but anyways, that's really what I would like to see happen with the U.S. conglomerate. And then Adam again came through and he reached out to Parker Spencer at Project Podium. And there's, I apparently there's some contention between this, this Project Podium because some people don't get in. It's very, prestigious it's like being it's like getting a full ride to like any college parker will go to your house he'll talk to your family he'll be like well this is what we're going to do you're going to be a triathlete we expect this and if you don't do it's like he has got a great program that guy is ruthless and anything he puts his mind to he's going to get it done so align aligning with project podium it was like we're going to have the first rights to any of these juniors that you have found and vetted and the biggest problem with the, I guess, U.S. Olympic program right now is it's like it doesn't adequately chisel out and forge these athletes for the men's side. The women have been doing pretty well, but how do we get elevation in competition against the Europeans? Like 
we have our, our races are flat. The continental cups here are pretty weak. So super league will pump out some amazing athletes just by virtue of how hard it is as a race. So that's pretty much why super league was like, this is an opportunity. It's not just for us. It's for the pipeline of athletes, juniors, USAT, and the federations just are terrible. Like they just like a dictatorship. They don't operate really efficiently. They don't talk well, and they just kind of step on athletes and make them feel bad sometimes. So if we can give a super league, super league a chance in the U S if we can be, an, even if it's not RTS warriors next year, even if we get another prime sponsor to come on, um, that's fine. But I just want to be able to manage a team and the Olympic athletes who we have, like look at Hayden Weil, look at Hauser, look at Georgia Taylor Brown. Like these athletes have been elevated to an extremely strong level because of super league. And like, imagine some other ideas, like what if we do like arena games for collegiate athletes mm -hmm. and we've got, you know, the opportunity for collegiate athletes to get up their hand in the mix and see if they want to go to a professional level, or we do like a Paris test event that's happening this weekend. What if we do a super league test event to make sure, cause not everybody can be part of super league. I've had Jason West reached out, was like, how can I be on your team? I'm like, dude, the roster's been full for like six months. And if there's anyone who drops out, we'd love to have you. But, and also like, you got to swim insane. Like you cannot, yeah. you, I can't even fathom how fast these, these kids swim. So that's really what the super league dynamic is looking like. It's taken over a lot. And it's, you know, I had to, I had to tell all of our long course athletes, like, don't worry. We're not going to forget about you. We're not going to just take any funding. Like if anything, this is a, you know, I've heard this a lot lately, so I'm going to say it. The rising tides will float all the ships higher, right? So that's the goal is to use Super League to help elevate the sport, bring more, uh, I don't know, bring more charisma to U.S. triathlon in some way. That's like the ultimate goal. It's awesome. Uh, who are some of the top athletes on your team? to give people a, a quick rundown of, uh, yeah. Um, get, get fired up about it. I think I have the actual full roster right here. Cause I just, we just did an arc, um, a, a super league managers team or managers, uh, social media thing this morning for like an hour and a half. So we were just talking so much crap to each other, um, about all the athletes. It was awesome. So, yeah. I love the team picture, uh, on Instagram too. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. They did a great job. They took like a, like a note from PTO or PTO yeah. took a note from them. Um, so, so we're dealing with, with the warriors. Um, we've got for the men's side, we've got Chase McQueen, who's been a veteran. Um, he's pretty much who he is because of super league, Seth Ryder, John Reed, those are really some of the best ranked men we could get our hands on whose coaches were like, yes, you can do it. Um, and then keeping things true to RTS, Mark Dubrick, who has been short course and long course, we're bringing him on because I was like, it would feel wrong if we didn't give Mark a chance to shine, um, at least at Toulouse, and then we'll see how he does at Malibu. Um, we've got this, the Project Podium kids. We've got Reese Vanderson and Carter Stuhlmarker. And Carter could be the next biggest thing ever. So that's great. Um, women's side, I'm so excited. Like we have Taylor Spidey. She's dominant, consistent, lovely. She's like the true professional. Summer Rappaport, um, Katie Zafaris comes on. We're going to see if she's going to commit to another race, but we'll have her at least for a few races. Erica Ockerlin and Kristen Casper. And then we'll also have some folks drop in and out um, based on availability. I think Ben Canute is going to come to Malibu. Um, nice. We may have 
may have some other cool names drop in and we don't even know our full neom roster yet but that's kind of what we're going to have for super league amazing i'm so fired up to watch those races i i honestly in the early part when super league came like when they had their first years i honestly thought it was something that was going to come and go in like a year but they've done such a good job of like sticking around and i hope they stick around for long term i i mean with the team structures where we're going to have actual team owners like we're going to build the team and bring it to the venue like it just it makes sense that it's going to last because the structure itself is going to be something that the money makes sense to put it like if Ineos comes in or if a Red Bull team comes in, like that's going to be next level. And I, I suspect that'll be happening in the next few years, especially when we go from four to five to seven races, the problem, and this is the hardest part with super league is working within the federations and, and the coaches who support the federations and the coaches who are run by the NCAA, like if we can get the athletes to race, um, because of the the crazy travel schedules they already have so it's just it's going to take time and a lot of you know a lot of fun but a lot of hard work um so as we wrap up here i'd love to uh, you talked a little bit about short course there and some of the excitement going on with things like super league there but i'd love to get your thoughts i know there's been some rumors of like pto expanding their kind of race schedule next year um, there's also been a lot of talk of how that like is very selective in that, like, typically it's usually only top 30 sort of in there as somebody who's like gone in for kind of that top 50. Do you like the expansion of that? How do you think it plays into Ironman and challenge races? I feel like that, that could be a whole two yeah. hour podcast about this stuff, but I'd love to get kind of your general vibes around it. Yeah, I'll keep it short, but man, for me, the PTO and just to caveat, like a general thought process I have about it is like, I feel like, and I might get canceled for this. I feel like they could be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I only say that because I don't know if they inherently have the best outlook for all triathletes, which they claim. Like, I just feel like they claim to be something that they may not be in actuality. And I, and I think this has been proven through how some of the races have unfolded, how they've broadcast certain athletes how they've funded this whole endeavor it's just been like a cash grab for the top percentage Um, and that's why they're like well trickle down economics it'll work out for everybody and i don't know if i believe that and i hope it happens but they've got to stick around long enough for that to happen and i appreciate more than anything that they take such good care of the athletes that they make it a big event that they put them on a pedestal and they make them shine but the business ethics are the only aspect where I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if they got, got the right people in the right places to, to make me feel warm and fuzzy about what they're trying to do. Um, especially when I think, you know, this might be rumors or it might be true like where they're going to have contracted athletes moving forward to race their events, mm-hmm. which is going to be like, well, you have to race all six or seven, or I don't know what that's going to look like, but that means they're going to be handing out even bigger paychecks to the parties that they want to succeed. And we already saw this at just the P- the U S open. It was like, we saw four people on screen for four hours and I had such a hard time watching just that because I wanted to see movement, like watch formula one, there's passes and they, they're like talking about the leaders and all this great story. Like, Oh, by the way, there's a battle going on sixth and seventh. We got these two people. And then we'll go back. It's like, you can be dynamic within triathlon, make it incredibly exciting. And it doesn't have to be one camera on the leaders the whole time. That's like the only problem I really have is show 
the athletes who you've invited and you've told are going to be important, show that they're important outside of just pre like telling us Dittlev's going to win or Blumenfeld's in the top five on swim. Oh, this is all wrapped up. Like you you can't (laughs) predict the swim that the race that quickly, let us, let it develop and evolve. So I think it would be amazing to see the PTO stick around, add some, some different variations. I think this, you know, a one or two day event where there's like a qualification to be in the next day's event. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much that can happen with fun, like exciting racing and triathlon, even it's tough to watch even a hundred K race. So I think there's, there's going to be, they're going to be forced, I think, based on viewership, based on what their investors are needing to see in returns. They're going to have to do something a little different, I think, than long course. And as much as they broadcasted uh, being very long course friendly, I think the short course demographic is going to benefit more. Um, and I don't know, like Ironman is probably going to be in a weird place too, because they're going to be like, well, what are we going to do? Like, mm-hmm. are we going to still give a shit about broadcasts? I mean, is the long course even we should we have people announcing for eight hours i don't know so the broadcast level of this sport is in a really interesting phase i love that we can watch it and that it's fun and i love there's more stories and it's getting better and better i just think you're going to put you know 30 of the best athletes triathletes in the world on on a race course show 30 athletes total not just four I don't know. That was the only hiccup I thought. And I think that, I think that feedback is not just me. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I think PTO is going to be still around. I hope that they don't dry up. So if you can go race a PTO race and I heard that's, I heard the, it's a great event. Like you guys, did you go? No, but, um, I heard that I heard the one for Singapore coming up. They have like a whole age group part to it as well, that they're like trying to build out as well on that. Interesting. Yeah, they gotta they gotta do something to create more buzz and yeah. you know hats off to them. Like they're doing the same thing I'm trying to do, build something memorable and different. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, I heard the vibes were great in Milwaukee with like USAT nationals there for that weekend. Yeah. So to pair up with events like that could be pretty cool to like um really showcase those athletes there. But I totally agree, like making it a little more expansive to give some more people a, a shot at it would be cool. That's what Super League has to do as well. They've got to piggyback on venues that put athletes on the streets already. Like that's got to happen. That's why we go to Malibu. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that you're you're looking to specialize again in long course coming up. So like uh, Ironman distance, how do you think the reception is going to be this fall with the uh, Nice and Kona split and kind of them locking that in for the next couple of years? Any thoughts I, on that? I never cared about Kona. Like <laughs> I'm an athlete who's never raced because I want to go to Kona. I've raced because I wanted to race in Patagonia or you know Norway or Chile. I've like it'd be great to to go to, get on the Big Island. Um, just for the, for the hell of it. But I even tell my athletes, I'm like, don't just go to Kona. Like it's, it's so much more transformative to get your bubble, like expansive. Like, so anyways, I, I don't really care to be very short answer on that. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Nick, Nick chase hot takes. Let's go. Uh, I have a final question for you. How do you balance your social life and your family? Because you have like 10 jobs, Nick. I do have a lot of responsibilities and I have found it's not been easy to balance it. And yeah, I'd be lying if, if I said it was, if it was easy, I have to, 
I used to do it better. I, I used to wake up for some reason every day, no matter what time I'd go to sleep, I used to wake up at like four and I'd just be up and I would get a lot of editing done. I'd have a lot more time, but I think that has been a major transformation where I've been putting more into sleep. I've been trying to make sure I spend more time with the kids and go take them to the pool or some, I mean, anytime they want to do anything I do, it's just amazing. I, the family aspect of it has changed everything for me to no longer just be caring about my career, but to care about my kids. I mean, they're just my stepkids, but they're my kids. Like I, I, I want them to see hard work. I want them to, to know that I can still make time for them. So I think the social life is, is fleeting. It's usually like six hours after a race, I've got a social life. Um, and maybe even like I, we just did a two week family trip and that was like as social as I get, you know, I think my athletes are pretty much that outlet because I do talk to 25 to 30 athletes every week, multiple times a day. And I get to become a part of their life. So I feel like no matter what, I'm not really missing out. If anything, I just give my time to people who either are paying for it or are just happen to be on the pool deck. That's like the social life I have. But I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think, I think that um, you know, you only I even tell my kids, like, you only need really one, one good friend. Because if you got three or four really good friends and there's a lot of drama, it's tough to make everybody happy. And Jackson's been like my little brother forever. And anything I can do to to get to a race where we have so much fun. And I think that that comes through on the videos we make is mm -hmm. that's kind of what I look forward to most is that's why, maybe that's why deep down, maybe we just unlocked the, the puzzle. That's why I created RTS because I wanted to make sure I had friends around me that respected me because I own the team. Well, I think that, <laughs> yeah, we went deep. We got it. Well, on that note, we brought you on because you're our endurance icon. Would love to know who's your endurance icon. Yeah, that was a tough one for me to really kind of put my head around. Um, it's certainly, there was a list, but I still think uh, it's, it's, I think it's Sebastian Keenley. Like I love him so much as a person. When he came on, um, he was broadcast, I guess, host for Roth um, last year, I think when Jan pulled out, or maybe that was this year, I can't remember. But anyways, him and Jan, like Jan came on camera to after he pulled out and they were just talking for like 30 minutes. And that was like one of the most just at ease moments I ever felt like just watching these two buds talk about racing and reminiscing and people love him. Like I look up to Sebi so much because how much he is well received by like he's pretty much retired and he's still like getting special bikes from Scott. I even... When I go to Cozumel, the first time I stayed at an Airbnb, the owner of the Airbnb had like a Sebastian Keenley bike museum. He was like his buddy and would buy each one of Sebastian's bikes. So I walked in, I'm like, these are all, that's like the seven of Sebastian Keenley's Ironman bikes. Like what, how do you have these? And just, I, I don't know. He's always just been such a character and he's very honest. He's, he seems, I've never even had an opportunity to hang out with him, but I just know, like, I respect that guy probably more than anything. So he's my endurance icon. 
That's a good answer. We act, we feel the same. We named our dog after him. So, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Be good rules. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good um, one. I named uh, my ex wife and I, we had two dachshunds, and it was, we named her Rinny after, after <laughs> Miranda Carfrey. Oh, another icon. <laughs> Absolutely. Nick, where's the best place for people to follow you? Well, we're always trying to get, I guess PTO is telling people that, you know, uh, it's like your race stats, your height, your weight, your Instagram followers. So I guess that's a valuable stat to, so we all, we all need more followers to get more money. So at race underscore chase is my handle. I try to keep it fun and interesting. I have an alter ego on there named race Chad who comes out randomly. Yes. That is uh, my favorite. <laughs> I've commented I, on that so many times. Race Chad I, rules. I try to keep race Chad off at arm's length because he he got a little bit over charismatic there <laughs> but i'll bring him back periodically uh, if we get more sponsors it's always a nice time to bring out race chad because it's like i can say what i want without you know recourse um so social media instagram is fine um but really like the our website you know real you can find links to all of our athletes our partners if you want to join our newsletter it's the first thing you can do if you, we put out a newsletter on everything that we're doing results for our age group athletes. Um, and of course, you know, podcast episodes that we put out there, come on. So that's probably the best way. Awesome. Well, Nick, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. This was a total pleasure. Yeah. It's the most fun I've had on a podcast. So thank you. I, I know. Oh, shucks. Thank you. <laughs> I, I never get to talk about myself. So I really means a lot to me that you invited me. So thank you so much for, for giving me a chance to talk. Wow, how great was that? I always learn so much from these endurance icons. If you enjoyed the podcast as well, please consider liking us across social media, subscribing to us on YouTube, or giving us a five-star rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you and your support so much. We wish you happy training and we'll see you back next week.